It's good. Oh, it is such a pleasure to be here, and uh, it's, it's just good to be alive after this last year, probably for a lot of us, and, and uh, to be able to praise God through it. It's, uh, this has been a year of quitting in the church and in relationships and in commitments that you were committed to. You've seen it in your churches. You've seen the, the pressure on you personally. I have never felt more pressure on me personally to quit than I have this year. And I say, what, what's wrong with me? But I think it was a lot of spiritual stuff going on this year. So uh, the big thing is that we continue on. We press on with what God's called us to do. So uh, with that said, this morning I want to jump in and give you about 150 points in rapid-fire succession. So uh, I, I hope this is helpful. And uh, I'm a little bit thinking about my own life at this point. Uh, I've been in Christ now for 50 years, which may mean something because I could have lived the same year 50 times. I don't know. Uh, but walking with Christ for 50 years, and then I received a call into ministry when I was six months old in Christ. So I was just barely 15 and a half or so when the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, I want you uh, for my ministry and knew from that moment on that I was to be there and began immediately to teach Bible studies. I didn't know anything. I was teaching Bible studies. I was leading worship. Uh, all I could do is play guitar and it always aggravated me that people would say, you know, hey, you play really well. And I thought, you know, praise God, they would say, Praise God, you play really well. I said, well, I worked hard to get there. And I didn't see the connection yet, but it's all from him. It's all the blessing of God. And, and uh, it's just, this is so cool. So I, I've been active in ministry for almost those full 50 years. And uh, so I, I'm a survivor, and I have a lot of trauma and all of that to heal up. So if I'm, I'm whacked out, you'll know why. So let's just jump right into this, and, and I want to... Just share some things because I'm thinking about longevity. I'm thinking about, you know, finishing the race and what that means. And Tyus so brilliantly spoke yesterday about it. It's about completing the task, not uh, just finishing some abstract race. And I hope this will make sense to you and be helpful to you. Those of you who are in ministry, you have a call to ministry, and I believe that people are called into ministry in the business sector as well. And Without them, we don't have uh, the access to the nations that God has called the gospel to be about. So, so forgive me if I'm a little bit leaning toward pastoral, you know, church kinds of things, but I have come to understand God gives specific calls, and all of these principles apply to you if you're out there reaching the world with your business. Use your affluence for His influence, and I hope you keep that in mind with whatever God is doing in your life. So finishing your race, I want to talk about fulfilling your ministry call in Christ. It's about, number one, Christ. It's about what we do with Christ. Everything in the Christian life is about being called by Jesus to be with Jesus and from that place of intimacy to be sent out accurately representing who He is in the world. It's the mission and the message of Jesus Christ that defines us. So in order to get anywhere in our, in our destiny, in our ministry, it's about intimacy with Jesus Christ. And those of you who started out this way and you've drifted to something else, come back to this. And I heard the Lord say, flame on to you. I'm, I'm like a sci-fi nerd, so the human torch just came into my, into, my, into my mind. 
And I, I really believe the Lord wants us to flame on, and these are going to get us there if we respond to them well. It's about recognizing that He called you to be uh, to Himself. That's the call first. To Himself to come alongside of Him. Following Jesus and being called to Jesus is not a linear progression. That is, I'm not in line behind Jesus. I'm invited to come alongside of Him so that I can see what He's doing and participate in what He's about. To share in the family business. To become an apprentice. You can't do that from behind. You have to see alongside of Him. So it's a call to Him to be with Him and then from that to be sent from Him. All of those things progress. So uh, Mark uh, 3.13, And he went up on the mountain, he called to him those who he desired, and they came to him. So there was a desire in Jesus' heart for them. I love that. And he appointed twelve, whom he also called uh, named apostles, so that what? They might be with him. That's the call, to be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority and to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve. So the biblical pattern for our lives, for our ministries, is to know him and that this is about being called to him to walk alongside of him and to do what we see him doing and then to be sent out by him to accurately represent him in the world. So everything about your life, it should be a no-brainer by now, needs to be about Jesus. He is the sum total of all spiritual wisdom and revelation. It's about Him that the Scriptures are written. So everything about being successful and reaching the end of our journey and to be able to say, I completed the tasks of this race that He's called me to is about what you've done with Jesus. I say this in my own experience. I was so crazy in love with Jesus. Those first six months of my walk, all I wanted to do is be on my, on my face and worship Him and fellowship with Him and love on Him. And it's no... Uh, no oddity that from that context, he called me. I was already where I needed to be. The problem is that we slip out of that. And just, thank you, you're saving me for the crash and burn. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'm not very technologically or mechanically minded. So, so when Kathy says, fix something. I say, let's go get Stephen, my son. <laughs> All right. So the pattern is that, very simple. It's about uh, encountering Jesus and staying in the encountering mode with him day in and day out. And we never outgrow that. If you've outgrown that and you're looking for some abstract experience with the Spirit, uh, just know the Spirit always brings us back to the concrete experience of Jesus. So that's where we want to go. That's where we want to be. And uh, I, I'm just going to kind of skip through some things. I love uh, just the call of Paul. I've got so much randomness in this, so forgive me, I'm normally a little bit more organized. But Acts 26, 12 through 18, uh, the, the fact that he was blinded by the brilliance of Jesus on that Damascus Road experience. And I want to say to you, for you to get to where God is calling you to be, you must continually be blinded by the brilliance of Jesus. Stay where you can, any, do anything you can to stay focused on the brilliance of Jesus Christ because that's where the light is and that's where the life is as well. So that'll take you where you need to go. I want to just say this, by the way. Uh, a number of years ago, I had just a fun trip to Seoul, Korea. I say, there's anything fun in Seoul. Well, it was kind of a fun trip. And I, I went there just to uh, 
to experience what was the largest church in the history of Christianity at the time. And everybody's trying to figure out, how did you do what you do? And the guy would always say, I, I didn't have any techniques or anything. I just pray and I obey. And, and I want to say that's, that's how we do this. And it's simply being close enough to Jesus that you can hear him and get his marching orders. And I love what he did with business people. What he did with business people is he called them to prayer and fasting mountain two weeks of, of the year, one or two weeks. Every businessman in his church went to prayer and fasting. There was no food, all right? They had to build a restaurant there for American tourists that were coming, uh, but none of the Koreans ate there. And what he said, uh, what he said is that the the business people went there to get fresh vision and direction from Jesus every year about the future of their business and, and had more millionaires. Now, I don't know what Korean millionaire looks like, probably not as impressive to us, but it's so many millionaires in his church. And, and the reason is they, they went to seek Jesus intentionally for his marching orders for their business. And I did the same thing. I went there for a vision quest. I said, God, I'm planting this church in, in San Diego at the time, and, and I don't know. I want to know what you want me to do with it. What's your vision? What's your plan? And I just climbed into one of those prayer grottos, they call them, which was a grave that they set, you know, had set aside. It's the holiest place on earth, right? It smelled. Uh, but you just climbed in there, and you say, I'm not coming out until I hear from Jesus, until I know what you want me to do and get your vision. And, and I, I want to just tell you, I just, uh, I prayed in, in my prayer language, I, I worshipped him, I had an attentive ear, I had my Bible laid out, and I just prayed through until I got a download from God as to what I was to do so that I left confidently with the vision of God. I just say, do that in your life. It's time for another vision quest. For many of us, we've lost vision, we've lost direction, we've lost hope because of that, and now flame on again, okay? Flame on. Get that vision and go for it. So uh, anyway, he says, I've appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and a witness to these things in which you have seen, in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. So everything that happened with Paul was about encounter with Jesus. Right then and there, it determined his, his, his uh, view of the Lord Jesus. Suddenly it was a different Jesus than he thought he was. And it changes theology, it changes practice, but he stayed in a place of constant revelation of intimacy with Jesus. Now, I'm spending more time on this than, than I need to, uh, but anyway, I just, uh, Philippians uh, 121, for to me to live is Christ. Now, what does that mean? Practically speaking, everything about my existence as a leader is Jesus Christ. I'm just locked on. I'm a one-note guitar, bang, 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 banging on that thing, saying Jesus. And folks, if you do that, you'll have more direction and wisdom from heaven than you ever imagined possible. He just wants to download. And he's waiting for us to get in line with Jesus in our focus so that our satellite reception is good enough to get from him. When you're looking over there, you don't get as good a reception, maybe. Look at Jesus. He will download. I'm just saying there's fresh vision, and I feel like the Lord wants us to be reminded of it. If you've lost your way, now get back on the focus of Jesus. And uh, Okay, we'll, we'll just skip on to point two. Oh, let me just say this. What disciplines do you cultivate for this? 
I, I just say, prioritize intimacy of relationship with Jesus Christ above everything else. Study the Bible to see Jesus, to find Jesus, to learn of Jesus and his ways. That's why we study the Bible. Since all of Scripture, the point of Scripture is that Jesus is the point of Scripture. So we keep coming back to prioritizing Jesus' intimacy with him, pressing in close, staying close, modeling everything we are and do after the pattern of Jesus Christ. So your life quest, Jesus, how do you do it? Jesus, how do you want me to go with this particular situation? And, and I'm just saying that the strongest thing we have going for us is that we can hear from God. And if we stop hearing from God, we have nothing to lead with into the future. So stay in that place. Number two, fulfilling your ministry call in Christ uh, is about calling. So Christ, and then from that Christ focus and that Christ listening ear, we receive calling. That goes in your business, that goes in your ministry, calling. Christ called him to follow him, called them to uh, follow him, called him to his ministry, and gave him a definition of what that would look like. You, you notice there's no mention of being an apostle as far as, uh, you know, Paul's call. He just gave him a job description. And from that, he came to understand this is apostleship. And, and I'm sure he got more revelation about that. But anyway, uh, I love this. Second uh, Peter 1.10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Wow. How do we never fail? Does it mean you're always the raging success you think you should be? No. But you will not fail. You will complete the race and you will finish the task that God set before you. So be diligent, he says. There's some application of yourself to this to confirm your calling. Uh, another translation uh, says, uh, be diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing of you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. This year has been stumble, stumble, stumble. And drop out, drop out, drop out, quit, quit, quit. Stay confirmed in your calling. Stay sure in your calling. There's really wisdom in this. And, uh, you know, I'm, excuse me, and I'm like scrolling through ridiculous amounts. I, you know, this could probably be a 100-part a, a series. I don't know. Yeah. It's not that many points. I'm just, just bracing you. Uh, that's not. <laughs> urgently inviting. This calling means to be urgently invited to accept responsibilities. And a call is an urgent appeal from God himself. It's a wonderful thing. And God, it comes in many ways. I've had real vivid experiences, I say. And, and, and the first one, though, being called into ministry, I just heard the voice of God. And it wasn't audible, but it shocked me. It was so loud. It's like, what? <laughs> really? And he used language that I didn't use, so that's also a helpful to know it's really God speaking, right? When he uses that. It's like when the Lord called my son, he says, I, I, you know, he came into my, our bedroom and he says, uh, hey, mom, dad, Jesus just spoke to me. And he says, when you grow up, I want you to be a preacher, uh, which is preacher, because uh, we never use the word preacher. And he says, what's that? And we just looked in amazement and said, so God has a way of getting through so that you know it's him. Uh, so an urgent appeal. It's an invitation to accept responsibilities for a particular task. God's call gives authority and responsibility. And it's an invitation that implies new intimacy, 
new coming alongside of Jesus. And from that, he calls us to himself first and foremost. Some people get too caught up in their call. But you need to be firm in your call because I'm just saying this, and many of you have experienced this. When times get tough, and occasionally they do in this business, right? Occasionally times get difficult, and you just say, why am I in this? You have to be reminded why you're in this because he called. And be confirmed in that. Keep that call fresh in your mind. And that should haunt you every time you're having that thought about, maybe I should be. Maybe I should be. I don't have a choice. And some people say, well, why don't you go do this? Why don't you go do that? I say, I don't have a choice in the matter. I've been called. And he's given me the assignments. And I must fulfill them. And that is the key to, uh, to persistence, to being able to continue on. All right. Number three, <laughs> charisma. Uh, fulfilling your ministry call in Christ. I'm shaking like a, like a, a leaf here. And I'm wondering about this thing. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just, uh, I think it might have a demon. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I could do that. Yeah, that's good. I, I'm just, I always tilt forward, you know. Uh, all right, I'm good. Thank you, bro. Thank you. You saved me from uh, unsacred distraction, which, uh, all right. Oh, look at this. Can I add these uh, lost seconds to my message? <laughs> Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Charisma. Bring up charisma. You know, the, the root word of grace is charis. That's, that's the word charis. It means, and it actually comes from the root word of joy. So the notion of grace and charismata are expressions of grace. So uh, anything that God does in your life is going to be by grace. So if you don't know that by now with the calling that's on your life, you have a wiring that other people don't have. You have an ability and a set of skills that no one else seems to have. And what's easy to you may not be easy to someone else. That's because of the charisma, the gracing that's been given to you. Gifts are given and they must be cultivated. Now, sometimes we fail in this area in our lives. Jesus grew in grace, in favor with God and man. Now, figure that one out. How, how could the Son of God grow in favor with God, you know, his Father? But there was a growing process that took place. And a calling implies gifts because the Spirit is upon us to do some things. If you have a call... It is God's way of saying, I'm giving, I have given you what you need to fulfill the call. Because he doesn't just say, hey, go do the impossible and not give you the tools to do the impossible. So the fact that you have a call means you have the, the ingredients necessary to succeed in this thing. So a calling implies gifts because the Spirit is upon us to do some things. The Spirit comes on us and gives us the tools we need to complete the tasks. I just point to Jesus and, and his ministry. I, I think it's part of his call. Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon me? Because he has anointed me to do some things. To do some tasks. Sorry, I'm getting a little shouty. I, I'm, I feel some fire, so that's good. <laughs> to preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So think of call as this. God points to you. And when God points to a person, he always brings the Spirit right along with that call. So the very fact that you have a call is like a magnet of the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit comes and releases the gifts and the tools and the toolbox we need to accomplish what the call says that it's to be. So be sure of your call. Know your call. Because with that, God's already dumped some stuff on you. And you need to know that and take confidence in that. How will I do this? I don't have what's needed. That's like if there's a call, there is anointing, and the tasks that you need to do are going to be able to be done. So it'll come because the Spirit is attracted to appointment, to uh, someone who has a calling from God. All right. Anyway, uh, Jesus' call. I, I love This is my beloved son. Uh, I'd love to talk about that. So what disciplines do we cultivate this? Well, gifts are tools. They're God's tools given to us to accomplish his calling and to do certain tasks. That's what a gift is. So fan to flame, the gifts that you have through intentional use. I say if if you've wasted this past year of inactivity, instead of just using it to pray and be filled and continually filled with the Holy Spirit, then you've wasted much of this year. I think this is the year to fan into flame what God has put into you. And the only way that happens is you stay radically filled with the Holy Spirit. You know how to do that. You don't have to come to a church service for that to happen. You fan to flame. You stir up, blow some wind on the coals that have gone gone dormant. Folks, you can do that. And I just encourage you to get back into that habit and just get yourself away with the Lord and don't come out of there until it's flame on. The problem with gifts is they grow dormant like inactive use of muscles grow dormant. It's like I, I, can, I can pump up and my working out buffs me up like you see here, this incredible mass of muscleness. Woo! Yeah, e- easy, Kathy. No, back on. She says, who are you? (laughs) Anyway, uh, so we fan to flame those gifts because otherwise they grow dormant. And I always, I'm amazed at this. Well, I have it prophesied for a period of time. And it's like, I don't know what will happen. Well, step out into the place of need where human need is, the gifts will kick in. It's just amazing to me. And so often by, you know, I haven't prayed for the sick. Well, go pray for the sick and watch what you have flame on again. It's really simple. And I just think we need to think in those terms with the gifts that are in our lives. So fan to flame what you have. Keep doing what God has gifted you for. This is the obedience of faith. The obedience to God that comes from faith. I know you've given this. I step into it and act upon it and let God loose in my life, okay? Uh, Number four, fulfilling your ministry call in Christ uh, is about content, redefining his understanding of the scriptures. Uh, Well, what, what I mean to say with this is we need to have our nose in the scripture like never before. Now, you get this as every sermon. You've given this as a sermon, but there's a reason behind it. Your ministry is only as good and lasting and capable as the content base of your scriptural search of the truth of Jesus Christ 
is happening in your life. Does that make sense? All right. A Christ encounter. Oh, this is, uh, this is uh, John 5, 39. I'm getting ahead of myself. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But, and these are they which testify about me. As I've said, the scripture is given to reveal Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, Christ concealed, but it's about Christ. The New Testament, Christ revealed. If you look at the Old Testament without looking at it through Christ revealed, you'll come under legalism, law, and have a terrible day. So you have to look through the filter of the new, of the new covenant to make sense out of what to do with the old. All right? Otherwise, you'll end up and you'll, have, you'll be one of those bearded prophets. Uh, Ken, you're off. You're off. You're, okay, that, your, your beard doesn't count. It's as scruffy as mine. But, but you'll be, you'll, you'll be the, the doom, and, uh, doom and gloom guy, right? Uh, and you'll be prophesying destruction when God is trying to reach the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ in the season of grace. So be careful with that. Anyway, uh, a Christ encounter is meant to define your hermeneutic. There's your date today. It's not some dude named Herman. It's the art of interpreting Scripture, right? It's how we, we tear apart Scripture to understand what it means and apply it. So a Christ encounter gets you focused on looking for Christ and seeing Christ where others will miss him, all right? So Paul experienced the resurrected Lord and the theology of Christ happened from that, focused in the moment. So anyway, Christ puts us in the Scripture, and we're made to see Christ on all the pages of the Word. Our experience helps us. But content of Scripture brings our ministry to and for Christ into focus. The thing that all fivefold ministry has in common is the only tool we have to speak into your life is the Word of God. It's our final authority for faith and practice and all we do. Now, it'll come with a different flair as it would come through a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist. But our only access, authority into your life is through the Word of God. So, the, and, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So we need to say, what are we giving the Holy Spirit to work with in our lives? And, and, and honestly, it just comes down to that. So if we want to make it to the end, it's more than just simply knowing the Bible. It's about seeing Christ in the pages of Scripture so that the fullness of that revelation comes through the particular gift and calling that we have. Because that's the only thing we have to offer the world. You, you thought you were offering the world your beautifulness, you know, or something else. No, it, it's not. Or, or even your giftedness. No. You only have the truth of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, through the call that God has given you, and that's, that's what it's all about. And you do the same thing, I mean, in the business sector. That's really important. Your revelation of Jesus Christ influences your ability to impact the world for Jesus Christ. You won't be seeing what he wants you to see unless you're focused there. So stay in the Scripture, regardless of what your call is. All right, disciplines. Just keep your nose in the Word. It's the sword of the Spirit. The question is always, what are you giving the Holy Spirit to work with in your life and in your ministry? And, and, and I, I love what Ty said, and, and I, I echo that. This is my way of looking at things. I, I read way too many church growth books, leadership development books, the latest thing, that, you know, well, how we should view COVID, how we should, I, I just, I hate that garbage. And, and what it does, 
is it causes me to not look directly into Scripture, but listen to somebody else. You say, well, we do that every Sunday. We do that with, with other people's ministries. There's, that, that's not the same thing. People are looking basically to find vision from authors that probably don't even know Jesus, or very well anyway, all right? I'm going to go that far. So, uh, Somebody's always uh, you know, invited me to read a book. I, I said, I've got like, like boxes of books on leadership. Come over and get some. And, and they, they make great kindling. Some, they're pretty moldy. Most of them are kind of moldy, and they've been in the box for a long time. But anyway, I'm going to say be stupid and don't learn and, and grow, but stay in the Scripture. That's all I need and want in my heart. And, and that revelation is the revelation that I can pass on, nothing more. Number five, character. Forming Christ in us, the fellowship of knowing Christ, his power, and the fellowship of his suffering. I always, always think, uh, you know, I, I told the Lord early uh, as a believer, I said, I want to know you like no one's ever known you before. Ha! <laughs> what a crazy thing to ask for. Because uh, And I want power. Let's get power. Power to heal. Yeah! You know, move. I want to be supernatural. I want to know you, Jesus. And I didn't know it comes as a triplet with the fellowship of his sufferings. And that's what you get when you know Jesus and you're, the power of his anointing moving through you. You get to join in to being hated, loathed, attacked, all of those other wonderful things. And what a pleasure it is to be in the footsteps of Jesus. We count it all joy, don't we? Yeah. Anyway, character is forged in the fires of pressure. Galatians 4.19, my little children, for whom I'm again in the anguish of childbirth, what was he agonizing about? That Christ would be formed in us. That's our total agony. We exist for this, the forming of Christ. All discipleship is to shape people into the image and likeness of Jesus. And if it's not doing that, then it's not doing what discipleship's designed to do. Everything forges that. So James uh, 1 uh, verse 2, character forged in the fires of pressure. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials. Trials of various kinds, because there's a lot of them, right? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. As much as we want to escape it, our contents are only revealed under pressure. That's what this last year has been. What's really in you? Just turn up the heat and it bubbles up. I used to work at the equivalent of a uh, steel mill. And I worked in an aluminum reduction plant. So what we did is we would put a lot of heat under a molten aluminum. And what happened is under heat, extreme heat, all of the dross and impurities rose to the surface of that particular furnace, and then we would take a, a, like a forklift with a scoop on the end, and we would scoop off the impurities so that a purified thing existed. Only under heat and pressure are your true contents revealed. So what he's, what's been revealed this year? You say, oh, don't beat yourself up about it, but it's a time of revelation, and God only shows us what's in us so that he can make us more effective for him, which is our heart's cry anyway. So let him, you know, let the scoop come. Let the heat come on. And, and anyway, what disciplines to cultivate? Well, ask God what's going on and don't mis misinterpret the lessons in the test. Learn your lessons. Uh, I remember asking this uh, of a leader, and, I, and 
I, I said, you know, I made some mistakes here, and, and, but I, I think I've learned my lesson. And he said something really profound. He said, he says, you know, you can learn your lessons the easy way or the hard way, but the point is, the important part is that you learned your lessons. And really, that's what we want to do. So I, I don't want to learn them the hard way, and I don't want to repeat them. The big one I found is that we don't blame God and when we blame God, we want to distance ourselves from it, from Him, because it's not safe to be too close to this one. Have, can anyone relate to that? Or am I the only one that's that's felt like, oh, I, I want to be close to you, but man, every time I do it, kind of hurts sometimes. And so I want to push Him back. Don't ever interpret what's going on uh, and translate that out as uh, push God back. The test of truth. Uh, lots of tests, lots of trials. The test of truth. Will you stand for the truth even though it costs you? And a lot of people just collapse under that. Will you stand for the truth over your relationships? I found most people will follow their relationships versus the truth. And they'll follow them right out the door, you know, and instead of the truth. It's, it's just very disappointing. But what do you, how do you respond to that? Uh, the test of betrayal, abandonment, sometimes just being, you know, ferociously alone. How do you deal with that? The test of forgiveness. Uh, and when someone has wronged you and you're so magnificent, why would they do that? Why would they treat me so badly? Uh, you know, will you be self-righteous about it? Uh, how do you handle abuse, mistreatment, persecution, slander? The test of money, having it, not having it. Some people are without it, they're so obsessed about it. And some people with it, they can't stop obsessing about it. I always think of Ross Perot. How much money was ever enough for him? Never enough. Because he didn't get it, what it's for. He had no outlet for it, for the mission of God. Right? So, uh, so it, they're totally, it's totally unfair test, the teenager test. That's unfair. The test of being clueless, the temptation of, being, uh, of blaming God for pain in our lives and withholding ourselves from it. The test of loving people who, frankly, are totally unlovable. You know, sometimes you, you know, I think of ways to nuke them. And I remember my, I remember my martial arts day, and I think, yeah, well, I could hit him here, and, he, you know, and, uh, you know. So, I, I mean, honestly, come on, you've had those thoughts, but, but you're holier than that, right? Yeah, all right. <laughs> the test of serving without recognition, that kills a lot of people. Uh, you just do what you do for the pleasure of God, and no one sees you. You know, that's, that's God. He loves to do that. Years of that sometimes. Obscurity, just to bring you out of obscurity for a short season. Favor is on and off, folks. And you may have the limelight for 15 minutes if you're lucky. But I don't know that you're lucky. The rest of the time, you're in the, you're in the outhouse or whatever. So the test of facing sickness, that's a, one that got me big because... Because we've always had healing ministry, a healing ministry, and, and powerful miracles and things happening. And yet I got sick, and I, I was ashamed. I was, I was more humiliated about me. And, and I said, God, how can I represent you when I'm such a lame physical specimen of, you know, illness and stuff? You know, I can't represent. I'm, I'm bad pressed for you, Lord, I, I, you know, and I want you to look good. And I heard his voice as loud and clear as ever. And he said, he says, this isn't about you. This is about your pride. About him, it's about your pride. I said, oh, oh, gut punch. Got lots of gut to punch. So 
It was an easy one. So anyway, let me go on. Number six. Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm dragging. Connection. Fulfilling your ministry call in Christ requires connection. You and your call never exist in a vacuum. I can't tell you how many guys that I've met through the years, they, they're just going to go off and they're going to conquer the world on their own. God is always seeking to connect you with leaders and people in line with his mission that can help take you on in the mission. For Paul, it was first Ananias, you know, moving him on. Uh, and then it was Barnabas. And then it was Peter and the other apostles. So Acts uh, 11.25, then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. That was a connection. Uh, and because of that, he was taken out of a place of total obscurity where he might not have ever done anything into a place where God could do something big. What disciplines do we cultivate? I'm just saying the temptation for all is to be alone. You know, sin does two things to us. It isolates us and alienates us. Sin isolates and alienates us, but the Spirit comes, and 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one Spirit, we're baptized. He immerses us into people, not aloneness anymore. So anything that's pulling you into aloneness is denying the call that's on your life from coming to fulfillment. All right, so cultivate that. Look for God to bring connections. I think he's always looking to make connections with those who have his heart and his call and are looking for his pleasure. And he will bring connections. Number seven, community. Fulfilling your ministry call in Christ, community. God's gifts are only understood in the context of the body. And I'm not talking the abstract body of Christ, universal mystical body of Christ, which we fully believe in. Most of the scripture in the New Testament is speaking of the local church where people know your scent, your smell, your strengths, your weaknesses, your foibles, and you're rubbing elbows with them. That's what he's calling us into. And your gift will not grow apart from deep-rooted connection to that. And so your gifts only find meaning and development in community. I'll just leave you with uh, Romans 12, 3 through 8, and encourage you to read this. Think with sober judgment. The whole flow of this is we want to know the will of God. But everything in the will of God is taking us into the body where our gifts can be soberly assessed and then activated and used within the context of the church. Your gifts have no outlet, no meaningful outlet in the ultimate call of God. I'm not talking about what you do out in the world in terms of your business, but you're meant to be using your gifts in the local church. And I just say this, without deep roots, you will not bear big fruits. Deep roots bear big fruits. That's why there's such a battle to snatch people out of your church. And they're being yanked out before they can get rooted deeply enough for the full development of their gifts. And they may leave you and say, oh, I need to go somewhere else where I can get what I'm not getting here. The reality is if they just put their roots deep, they would find the fulfillment of what they have because it's meant to happen in the context of a body that can see it, bless it, call it out, recognize it, Raise it up, okay? All right. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, what disciplines to, to cultivate? Full immersion in the local church. I'm saying full immersion. We don't call people to the commitment to the local church for the right reasons. Now, the, the right reason is God adds us to the church. 
And if God's added you to the church, let no man pull you asunder. (laughs) What God has joined together, let no man separate. No person, including you, you're married to this thing. And if you don't understand why we're married to it, then you're going to miss the full development and the fulfillment of the ministry and the gifts that are in your life. The answer is not you finding. I'm going to say this to the pastors. The answer to what you're going through right now is not you finding a new church and always looking for greener pastures. I want to say the greener pasture next door is probably AstroTurf. And you're going to get over there and you're going to realize there's not much growing really here. And, and I just, I've told people, I said, this is what's going to happen. If you, you're popping in and out of churches looking for the perfect church, uh, then don't ever go to church because you're ruining it. But, no, I'm saying, no, God wants you there so that you can be what God's called you to be. But uh, the problem is that we're always looking for greener pastures. And when they go to the new green pasture, the first thing out of their mouth, which drives you crazy on social media, is, oh, finally, I found the church. The, this is so great. I feel free now. I feel, you know, and it's just like, <clears throat> you know, you want to gag. And in reality, uh, you know, six months later, they're right back where they were because they don't dig deep and they cannot develop into what they're called to be. I think there are a lot of short-circuited prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God is trying to raise up within churches, and they're short-circuited because of that very issue. Oh, this restless thing in you is to make you restless for more of Jesus, not for more of a new thing for you. Okay? All right. Uh, did I say number eight yet? No, context. Context. Uh, am I Okay. horribly long-winded rascal. Uh, Context, context, or circumstances of opportunity. Now, let me make sense of this. What you are needs to be plugged into the right context. Paul was in Tarsus doing who knows what. We have no record of what he was doing. Well, he was probably making some tents, and I'm sure he was talking to people about Jesus, but did he start a church? Did he do anything else? I don't think he did much. I think he was growing in his revelation of Jesus. So he's in this place, and in Antioch, Barnabas suddenly remembers. And he remembers Saul. And he remembers, that guy's got a teaching gift, which was his primary operational gift. Paul Paul did his apostleship through this amazing revelatory teaching gift. And and anyway, he says, I'm going to bring him up. So he goes and seeks out Paul, brings him up. Uh, Verses 25 and 26, he brought him to Antioch so that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I think that's an interesting thing. The revelation of Christ came from this encounter. But this man, Barnabas, was smart enough to say, I am not all that there is. I need connecting to other people, to this church, in order to bring them into the fullness of Christ. And so he he brings him in, and this revelation of Christianity, being devotees of Christ, being fanatical devotees of Jesus Christ. It was a a slam comment, but they were first called devotees of of Christ because of what was going on there. So uh, I'm just saying... This is how God works. He brings people across their paths. And I just want to say, this is, this is what's happened to me and why one of the many reasons I just love this guy. And by the way, I'm not a suck-up. I'm not a, I don't blow smoke. 
uh, I give honor where honor is due. But at, at some point, uh, I connected with Ty, and we just we were like long-lost brothers. I felt like I found my tribe again, and, and something clicked. And he did probably what's a dangerous thing for him to do. He invited me to come on a ministry trip with him up into Canada. And I'm a total stranger. He doesn't know how I smell yet or anything like that. But, but 10 days, just I just wanted to be with him and to see what he did. I had no agenda. But in the context of that, opportunity came, and I got to do a little bit of what I am in that context. And I, I, I felt like overwhelmed, like, really? You know, and got to teach a bit and do some, some other things. There's some, there some revelation that was happening. It was just a great trip. But from that trip, I now was invited to come into team, and now I have a context to do what I am. I didn't have a context. I had a church. Occasionally, I'd go do some things, and I'd done some things in other countries. And, but now, through that connection, I was brought into a place where I could do uh, what I was designed to do. And I just say, that's the way it works for all of us. You need a context. And that's partly why you're added to the church, so that people who have eyes to see can see what God is doing and call it out and bring it up and raise it up and release it for what it is, all right? So, uh, number nine, commission. Fulfilling uh, your mission mission call or ministry call to, uh, in Christ uh, involves commission, the great, the great commission, commissioning. That comes out of a convergence of all of these things. You know, you don't get from, I love Jesus, to I'm commissioned to go do some things in ministry uh, by leaders in the church overnight, all right? God does these things in those contexts. Others have a revelation to see who you are. The Spirit speaks at the right time. Hands are laid on you, and you're commissioned to do it. I can't tell you how many uh, leaders that I've seen. Any of you see the, the old movie, the Robert Duvall movie, Apostle? That's kind of, kind of a nasty, blasphemous thing, you know. But uh, No, it, it's, but, but nobody's really listening to him. So what does he do? He goes out to the river, and he baptizes himself as an apostle. You know, I, you learn, I baptize you as an apostle. So, so he appointed himself. And there was absolutely no context for that. And, and I've seen, you know, sometimes people will come to you in the church, and they're telling you, I'm going to go plant a church. And I say, oh, all right, go do your, go do your thing. Uh, but it's really meant to happen like it does in Acts 13, where they're joined together, and People who can hear God are ministering unto the Lord because everything's about ministering unto the Lord. And from that, the Holy Spirit speaks. And when he speaks, he wants to commission. He wants to release people. And that's how it happened for Paul. Had Paul not been brought into that place, the context for this, who knows if his mission trips ever would have taken off. So anyway, I won't read all of Acts 13, 1 through 3, but uh, I'm just saying, notice it's always linked to other leaders. Whatever God has in your life, and he's calling your life, it's always linked to other leaders. Uh, there's always a Barnabas. And, and for me, it was, it was a tie. And I, I just, to this day, I just, I can't believe that ever happened. And what a risky thing to do. And I'm so thankful for that. And, but this is about connection and context. And then in that, people can see. He could see grace to do some things, and that led to more, other, or more things, that is uh, the commissioning. 
Uh, number 10, continuance. I'm just about there. I actually have 11. Uh, continuance. That's the act or the fact of continuing. Not just a pretty C word. The act or the fact of continuing through every challenge. Now, being commissioned leads you to a lifetime of challenge. It leads you to a lifetime of it. And the fact of continuing on through that is a gigantic fact. Faithfully doing the ministry God's called you to do through seasons of fruitfulness and, frankly, nothing. And you know those, those times come. And it's a real test. You say, well, what's going on? Now, God, God doesn't want us to, to labor in uh, a life of fruitless, fruitlessness and frustration. But often what it is is it's God trying to adjust some things in us and what we're doing. And we just need to be able to flow with that through times of resources and through times of nothing. This last year has been my no salary year. This is the first time in my life. It's like, what? What's going on? Aren't I with them all? No. God, and God just re- reminded me, you know, he just reminded me, you're a lucky camper. You really are. And that I'm going to take care of you. And his provision is seen. And it just made me love him all the more. And, and, uh, and I wasn't alone in that. And I think God doesn't want us to be alone in that. Mostly about enduring hardship, hostility, and loneliness. Continuity is continuous. Uh, continuance. Faithfully continuing to do the task God has called you to do through every circumstance of life. All right. Uh, now, I just, I just have the hit list of how bad it can be. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29. You, you've read those, how many things Paul went through, and yet he continued on. And he didn't sit around and have an oh me, oh my pity party about it. It just came with the territory. Folks, if we're following Jesus and we're moving in His anointing and His power, then we must see that we will experience the fellowship of His sufferings. Most of the time, it's we're nice people and we really like people to be happy with us. And the people-pleasing thing, but we won't call it that because that's so bad. We all know that. But we really want people to be with us. Why wouldn't they? We're wonderful, you know? But the truth is, just irrational hostility comes. And it's like, there's no reason for you to hate me, and yet you do. I just don't like you. Oh, oh that's uh, what I do, what I do. You take it personally. No, it's just about following Christ. All right. Consciously working to develop uh, leaders as part of that process. I think no leader is a total package. I've spent close, uh, uh, close time with a number of them uh, in my life. I've received a deposit from them, walked with them. Uh, but I believe that God wants long-term relationships. And I think that's one of the blessings of NCMI, that the team is here, and the team may fluctuate and flow, and different people coming on and off, but, but we have a great leadership who is listening to Jesus. And I want to say there is no price that can be paid. I added to that as prices. All right, here's the end. Completion. Uh, completion. When the ministry job is completed then your race is done. And you've got to know what that ministry job is. What has he sent you to do, not just because the circumstances are bad right now. And I say a lot of people have quit their destiny this year, pastors, leaders, because it got tough, and they just ran out of steam. I've been pretty low on steam, 
but I am very high on call. And that is what helps carry us through it. And then the encouragement of your brothers and sisters, obviously. So that, that's, that's really it. Uh, what we've been appointed to do for the king, it's not finished until the assigned task is. Not about me being tired, frustrated, so I quit and call that completion. It's about completing what Christ appointed, anointed, gifted, and graced you to do. Second uh, Timothy 4, 4 through 6. I just end, let me just end with that scripture. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the t- so he knew his life was about to be poured out as a sacrifice. He's going to die. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I love this. Finishing the race is about keeping the faith. You must keep the faith. Your faith in Jesus, your confidence in him, your your focus upon him. There's no completing the task without that. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. Not only me, but those who have loved his appearing. Frustration and fruitlessness are not, you're out. Obey the call of God and stay there and flame on, my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. I just, I just bless you today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do want to have Ron pray. We're going to take a quick break. I, I just feel there was a key moment there when Ron spoke about the grass is greener on the other side. You know, I, I'm just going to use a quick, silly illustration. Last year in the middle of COVID, I got really interested in my lawn. No, no, I want you to pray. I got really interested in my lawn. And Sandy started calling me a lawn nerd. And I was. And I, I invested time and money. And Sandy was like, why are you doing this? And it's in the middle of COVID. I said, Sandals, it's the only thing that's growing right now. Leave me alone. <laughs> but I, but I want to say this. The point of that thing, let me tell you now. And I've had neighbors in my neighborhood. People drive up to me to ask me about my lawn and lawn tips and all of that stuff. The truth is this. The grass is greener where you water it. That's the simple truth. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you invest in the grass. And I want to tell you that, like Ron spoke about that as a church. Let me tell you, that carries through in our lives. It carries through in our lives. People give up on relationships. They give up on their marriage. They give up on churches. They give up on all sorts of things because the grass is greener on the other side. Where actually the grass is going to be greener where you invest your time, your energy, your effort, etc. Those are some incredible points. But all of them can come down to this. Where we invest those points is where we're going to see fruitfulness. Where we invest all of that stuff is where the grass is going to be greener. You doing okay? Pray for us, bud. And then we're going to take a short break, yeah? Okay, short prayer. Father, bless your people. I pray that right now you turn on the flaming fire of the call of God that is in the lives of people in this room. The call into vocational ministry, maybe. I don't know, whatever that is. Uh, The call to lead the church. The call in secular business, but being there as the servant of Christ. Refresh the call. Bring it into focus, not as others have defined it, but as you have spoken it, and may we renew that. 
and begin to fan the flame what you put into us again. Renew our heart. Renew our passion. Take the discouragement out of us. Squeeze it out of us. Even as COVID has tried to squeeze you out of us. Lord, we need you. We're desperate. We're, we're, we're just hungry. Uh, and we know that apart from your grace, we have no chance in hell. Lord, let your empowering presence through Jesus Christ carry us on and to fulfill the mission to the nations of the earth. Thank you, Lord. I bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen.